Elevated Insights, a TCSD podcast. I am the Superintendent of Schools for Tooele County School District, Dr. Mark Ernst. Joining us today is Sean Featherston, who teaches biology and physics at Tooele High School and is also our science fair coordinator for all things science fair in the school district. And Sean, I understand that your path to Tooele High and your path to education is a little bit unique. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I so when I graduated college with my degree in physics, I actually couldn't find a job. And um, I had told myself that I never wanted to be a teacher. So I was I was very adamant. So about you doomed it. yourself right off. I did. Right I right did. Exactly. That, yeah. yeah. And so instead, what I did was I actually um, got a job as a carpenter in a theater because um, I had worked throughout college in a theater, sort of making my money that way. And then I just sort of kept on with technical theater, designing and making sets, hanging lights, um, um, running sound. I was actually a sound engineer for a number of large productions that came through when I was living in Kentucky. Um, and I have done most every technical theater job that there is wow. in live theater. I, I haven't done anything in film, but that's, that, that's for other people. But so about five years ago, um, I was actually thinking about making a career change. And so in that I came back to Utah cause I was living in Kentucky and well, some friends sort of talked me into, okay, well, there's this job opening out in Dugway. So there's a science teacher job out, open out in Dugway. I was like, well, okay, I'll try it for a year. If I don't like it, I can just not do it anymore. And here I am five years later, I've got my <laughs> master's in education. And now I, this is a job that I truly love. So you spent a year in Dugway. Mm-hmm. Yes. How was that first year? Was there anything about teaching oh in general that was just a surprise to you? Well, I was incredibly bad at it. Like everyone <laughs> is, right? First time you do anything, you're terrible at it. And so, um, and I, when I was in technical theater, I had to train people on how to use power tools who had never used them before. So I had an idea of how to instruct, but teaching there was so much more to teaching that I had to develop a whole new set of soft skills and I had to really, I had to have a lot of self-reflection in the craft. That was something that I never had to do before. And they never really teach you that when you're getting a degree in physics. Um, On top of that, in addition to like taking classes to get certified and get licensed and everything, um, I started in 2019, 2020. So, about halfway through March is when the uh, the shutdown happened due to the pandemic. All right. So I had to. So I had just gotten used to sort of being in person, and then I had to switch everything to online. And I didn't have any curriculum. I was teaching six different classes, six of which I did really didn't have a whole lot of expertise in. And so it was a very um, it was a growth year. Yeah. It was a yeah. lot of growth that year, and it was a lot of. Um, there were a lot of learning opportunities. Yeah, I always that. say that yeah. the first year uh, of being a teacher is like Indiana Jones, and you're just trying to stay ahead of that big rolling ball that's coming at you. Absolutely. And then year two, you can kind of experiment and stuff. But by the time you get to year three, all right, I kind of know what I'm doing. But yeah, there's such a there's a bigger learning curve than I think what people that aren't in education realize. Right, because there is no amount of simulated training that prepares you for the classroom. And honestly, being in the classroom and connecting with the students, 
that's an integral part of being able to teach. It's because like your people in the same room and how you teach and how you connect with them really plays a, a role in their learning. Yeah, and, and each class is a little bit different. Absolutely. So you do it one way for another class and you have to do it a little bit different for the other class. Exactly, because yeah. everyone's different. Now, yeah. one thing that my principal, who is Jeff Wyatt, who's my current principal now, he said to me, don't base your career off the first year. I was like, okay, I'll trust you there. I'm skeptical, but I'll trust you. And so now I, here I am five years later and it's like, okay, well, I really like this. So I'm glad I didn't base it completely off the first year. <laughs> you remembered the good stuff. From yeah. One. Yeah. That's great. Uh, now when people think about science, I think there's two schools of thought. Number one is the scientist with the lab code doing experiments. He's got the Bunsen burner. He's working with high chemicals. And then the other thought, thanks to television is probably the big bang theory. Right. Right. With the, 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 that kind of nerdy, really high intelligent group of people. So talk to us a little about the kid in high school that is interested in science, like science. What are some of the pathways they could take after high school? There are a lot of pathways you can take after high school. I mean, I had a degree in physics and I went to theater, right? And so with a degree in science, you can go a lot of different places. You can go into sales, you can go into uh, marketing, you can go into like essentially anything that requires critical thinking and problem solving abilities. Um, those professions can benefit from a science, like from moving forward in science. Yeah. Um, and so as far as typical, right, there are sort of mathematical and then there's the experimental, right? Um, those are actually very few like that's a very small population of scientists. A lot of the scientists still work in industry, but there are a lot of scientists who actually pave ways in unrelated fields who then bring that perspective with them. Yeah. And, and here in Twila County, and you may know a little bit about this, but I believe that, that Dugway uh, employs a lot of scientists as part of the, the Army's mission out of Dugway. Is that correct? Yes, that is very <clears throat> correct. In fact, um, there is sort of an entire town out in the you know about 10 minutes past the gate uh called ditto where a lot of their research and development is uh, located yeah. and so um those are like the traditional scientists that are working on biological and chemical um i guess projects for the military but they're also um like aviator engineers like um, any type of engineering also benefits well from science as well so um out in Dugway, that's where they actually train most of their drone pilots is out in that 800 acre area. So that way they can take them overseas and then these pilots can actually pilot these remotely for, from hundreds of miles away. Yeah. And that's a great teaser for a future podcast that we're going to do. We're going to be oh. uh, talking with the commander of Dugway and Very cool. kind of what our role is, is, is a school district on, on Dugway. And so, yeah, that's a, <clears throat> that'll be a fun podcast to, to do in the future. Yeah. So now, Sean, you also do district science fair stuff. Yes. So talk to us a little about, first off, when is the district science fair? So the district science fair this year is going to be February 1st. Um, we want to try and get in the paperwork from everybody uh, January 19th, a couple weeks beforehand. Now, each school also has its own science fair, uh, possibly. And so Tooele High is going to be about a week before that. Um, 
And so that way, any students who wanted to want to go on to the district have a chance to rehearse their presentations, see what their visual display is, get some feedback before they go to the science fair. Now, having said that, it's not required to be part of a school science fair to take part in the district science fair, okay. right? But the paperwork does have to be put in and we have to make sure that, you know, ethical protocols are observed such as students do not grow bacterial cultures at home. <laughs> we don't want that. We don't want students making their own tasers and testing it even on themselves, right? So <laughs> there is a process of approval that we have to go through. Yeah. So if, if I'm a parent listening to this podcast or, or even a student and I'm like, hey, I might want to take part in this science fair, what do I need to do? So to start, um, what you need to do is we need to First of all, have teachers vet the project, right? So students can submit projects to science teachers, make sure that the formwork is filled out and we'll make sure the formwork is available for the entire community. Um, but once it's started, then they can start gathering data. Now, a misconception is that you have to have a new project every year. That's not true. You can actually take a previous project and then modify it or add on to it and then show it again wow. with these modifications and additions. And so there are actually a lot of students, um, especially at the state level, who take a project from where they first thought of it and they grow it for three or four years. Okay. So that way they can become more like essentially expert, like experts in that subject. Wow, that's a, I had no idea. Yeah. No idea at all. Yeah. So tell me what would be like, what are some of the good science fair projects that you've seen? Or if you're thinking, oh, I don't really know where to start, what would be a, a where would be, a, is there a place that you can like find science fair project ideas or what would be a good, some good science fair projects? So <clears throat> as far as like a good science fair project, the best one is one that you're interested in doing, right? And so if there is a topic or like a field of study that you're interested in, start there and then you can sort of look at who's doing what in the field. A good starting place, start with what you're interested in and then figure out, okay, what sort of experiment can I do to solve a problem, to answer a question? All of these things, starting with um, a topic of interest, going deeper into what a problem might be or what a question might be, and then conducting the experiment, taking data, and presenting it. Yeah, and regardless of what happens with that project, it, it's okay, right? Because yes. it doesn't matter if it goes as planned or completely off the rails, that's all part of the data you're collecting and part of your science fair project. Absolutely, right? <clears throat> yeah. There's, I mean, a failed experiment still gives good information because it's like, oh, well, this didn't work, but it sort of led me to this type of conclusion. Which also goes to your point of doing the same science fair project the next year. Mm -hmm. After yes. I've learned this, now I'm making some modifications. We'll see what happens now. Absolutely. Yeah, because, that's, that's interesting. And that's actually how a lot of professional science is done anyway, is they don't, like, researchers don't come up with a new project every single time. They take one project and they expand on it, expand on it, expand on it for sometimes decades. Sean, is the science fair open to all students or are there specific uh, grades or ages that participate in the science fair? So as far as like the competition itself goes, um, we usually start students out at fifth grade 
and there's a sort of elementary division. So fifth to eighth grade is usually that division. And then we go into high school with uh, nine through 12, right? And so at the regional level, they have those same divisions. And so given the separation between secondary and elementary junior high, there are some different stipulations, but um, if you have a kindergartner who is really interested in a project, they can get started on it now and then present when they're in fifth grade. Wow, that, that would be something to see, a exactly. five-year project. Yeah. That's great. What's the time frame for a student to start their project so they can hit that target date of when the fair is? Okay, so um, ideally, they want to start gathering data and have everything approved up to a year to 18 months, right? They can still give a quality presentation and project if they start at the beginning of the school year or even in September. It really kind of depends on the project. On the project yeah. um, but the constraint is that once you start collecting, you have about 12 to 16 months to present it. And after that point, you have to be, you have to go through the process again in order to be, you know, uh, reapproved. Yeah. So would it be too late for this school year? No, for not at all. To start now? No. I mean, if you have a good project, if you have a good idea of what's going on, if you have uh, a good support system in place of mentors and things like that, you can still get a good project going. Um, we just should avoid things that take a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to do a an eight month science fair project when you have <clears throat> three or four months to go. Exactly. So, yeah. That's great. Sean, is there anything else that parents or students should know about the science fair as, as we start to get into science fair season and kids really digging into their data? Is there anything else that you need to, that they should know? Presentation is key, right? Judges want to be able to listen to a very well-organized, well-thought-out oral presentation of their project. And so one thing that has kind of hampered us in the past is that these kids have excellent projects, but the presentation is a little subpar, yeah. right? And so rehearsing your project, rehearsing that presentation, so that way you can present the information in a very accessible way to others. That actually sets you above a great project with a poor presentation, right? So an okay project with a very good and incredible presentation usually outperforms a great project with a mediocre presentation. That's wonderful. Well, Sean, thanks for all you do here at Tooele High School with physics and biology and teaching our students. And thank you so much for being willing to take on the science fair coordinator position because that's a that's a big job. Oh, thank you very much. So I appreciate that. And uh, <clears throat> parents, if you're if you are interested in having your kids participate in the science fair or students you want to participate, uh, first step: talk to your science teacher. Find them at school tomorrow and ask them, "Hey, what can I do to be a part of the science fair?" Thank you for joining us on this episode of Elevated Insights, a TCSD podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Ernst. Remember to be kind to one another and remember to elevate yourself by elevating others.